Well, for our communion message uh, this morning, I'm going to be speaking from 1 Corinthians 15 and uh, verse 25. And I think this is a, a wonderful little verse that talks about the current work that Jesus is engaged in right now. A lot of times we think about what Jesus did on earth, but what is he doing now? Uh, this doesn't deal with all that he is doing. Intercession is one of his uh, things that he is engaged in. But this is also a, a verse that I think will bring encouragement to those of you who are disheartened with all of the horrible things that have been happening uh, in our nation and really around the world over the last uh, uh, few weeks. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 25, For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. This verse teaches us three things about Christ's current work. And the first is that Jesus is currently a king. He is a reigning king. Now, it's very easy for Christians to forget this when uh, scary things are happening around the world. And there are actually some Christians who outright deny that Christ is a king currently because look at all the enemies that are around us in this world. Look how many bad things uh, that are happening. But Daniel chapter 7, when it speaks of Jesus' ascension on the clouds of, uh, of heaven to the right hand of the Father, says that he at that point sits on his throne, was given a kingdom over every a nation, tribe, and language, and that judgment was made in favor of the saints. Very significant phrase, in favor of the saints. Now, are there enemies in that chapter? Absolutely, yes, there are. But he must reign. Uh, are there people who are trying to throw off the bonds of Christ in America? Yes, but he must reign. And Christians who deny Christ's reign simply because there are enemies around us are forgetting Christ's statement where he says, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. So he never denies that there will be gates of hell trying to overturn his, uh, his kingdom. But those enemies are never going to be able to successfully stop the advancement of his cause. Psalm 2 speaks of Christ extending his reign and ruling in the midst of his enemies. And so the presence of enemies in no way denies that Jesus is currently a reigning king. This is not an option. He must reign. We don't have to wait for better times. He must reign. It is an imperative that he reign in our current age. But the second thing implied in this verse is that this is not some theoretical reign that has zero impact upon his enemies. Uh, no, he is a warrior king. He is progressively tearing down, destroying, conquering uh, his uh, enemies. And I like the picture of uh, 1 Samuel chapter 5 where the Philistine idol Dagon is uh, before the Ark of the Covenant and it falls flat on its face and they put it up again. It falls down and its impotent head and its impotent hands are broken off. And in much the same way, the idols of our current cultures around the world are like that Dagon. They are impotent and uh, they show the, the fruits of their impotence in many different ways. And even statism is falling apart because it simply cannot successfully buck the laws of King Jesus. He must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. I was talking this past week with Desta Langana. I was really hoping that he could be here for Sunday because he's just got so many cool stories of what God is doing uh, in Ethiopia. 
But he's a, a church leader in Ethiopia that um, has, over the last few years, uh, sent out 200 church planters to other countries and places in Ethiopia that are not yet uh, Christianized. His own tribe, where my parents grew up, is now 94% Christian. We're talking evangelical Christians. Uh, the next tribe over is over 70% Christian. It's just growing like crazy uh, in Ethiopia. But one tribe where his brother uh, went to was 100% Muslim, and they knew that if they tried to build this church over a period of days, every night the, the Muslims would come and tear it all up, everything that they had put up. So they got a big crowd of Christians together, and they put this building up in 14 hours. And uh, then the next day, they came and they threw gasoline all over the building and they lit it on fire, but they said it was like a miracle. All of the fire was just burning on the ground. It didn't burn on the, on the building itself. Uh, they, they have uh, tried to attack it in so many different ways. They broke in the door and, and um, when they came through the door, uh, the pastor came up and says, uh, what do you need? He had a little flashlight and it wasn't a very bright flashlight. They fled, and later uh, some people who became Christians said, well, yeah, that, what was that big spotlight that was in there? They thought it was a military inside the building. Uh, they were not successful there, so they started, uh, they stole the cattle and the sheep from the landowner who was not a believer, thinking, okay, that will get rid of the church. And um, what, it backfired on them because when the people realized that their imam was a thief who had taken from even another fellow Muslim all of his cattle, they said, we can't trust a thief, so they refused to go to church. Anyway, the church there was growing, and he's just got all kinds of stories of how God uses even his enemies to oppose uh, his enemies. We tend to think only of, of judgment when we see something like Russia invading Afghanistan years ago. And there was judgment there. But it was a redemptive judgment that for the first time opened up that nation to a church planting movement. Um, we see the Ayatollahs taking over of Iran as a horrible setback. And it's true. Uh, that Ayatollah has, you know, from the time that he came in and the others who have succeeded, they have brought untold problems. But see, that's the issue. All Islam can produce are problems right? And it becomes more and more apparent. And God is using the consistency of that Ayatollah's um, uh, Islam uh, to uh, make people realize that uh, th this religion is no good. The Iranians have become disgusted with their own religion. It's Dagon falling before King Jesus. And so when the true nature of Islam becomes exposed, the Iranians are hating it. And just the last few years, uh, almost one million, I think it's actually over one million people have become Christians uh, in that country. And I really do encourage you to look at that video. It's some really exciting stuff that has happened. The more rope that Jesus gives to the humanists and the more rope they take, the more they have to hang themselves with is basically uh, what it amounts to. He used communism in China to purify the church and to cause the church, Christianity, to grow from 1.8 million not that committed Christians to anywhere from 100 to 200 million on-fire Christians uh, in China. So uh, we don't dispute uh, the fact that there are Dagons who are trying to stand up to King Jesus. We don't dispute that there are enemies in America who are becoming consistent, uh, increasingly and more consistently foolish and more consistently dangerous 
they are dangerous. Uh, but Jesus may well use these humanists to purify the church and to wake it up and to cause an even greater advance of his kingdom. So every time we celebrate the Lord's table, let's remember that Jesus is a reigning king, he is a warrior king, and thirdly, lastly, he is a victorious king. Uh, the word till indicates that there is a long process of time that this takes place over, and then the words all enemies under his feet show that there is a total, total victory that we have to look forward to. He must be at the right hand of the Father until all enemies, all resistance to his reign is put down. He must remain at the right hand of the Father until the Great Commission is fulfilled, which is not just to save a few individuals, it's to disciple all nations. They're not discipled until they become Christian nations. But the imagery that he uses there of all things being put under Jesus' feet is just marvelous imagery from the Old Testament where a, a, a suzerain king who was an emperor who was conquering other kings, when one of the kings that he had conquered would sue for peace, that king would come, would bow down on the ground with his head, the forehead to the ground, and the suzerain king would put his foot upon the neck of that conquered king. Now, in effect, what the conquered king was saying is, I yield myself in unconditional surrender to my suzerain lord. And then he would get up, and uh, the suzerain would give him a hug. Uh, they would slay an animal. They would have a covenant feast, as it were. And the, the conquered king would say, I pledge my loyalty to you. And the suzerain would say, I pledge my protection and my provision to you. And so it's really a wonderful image of the total victory uh, that was ordained. And we shouldn't be thinking in terms of grudging uh, obedience where those who are under Jesus will still hate him. Now we're talking about Jesus transferring, conquering their hearts and turning them uh, to love him. And uh, this is what is pledged in the Lord's table. We are pledging unconditional surrender and total loyalty to Christ, our suzerain king. And Christ, our suzerain king, is pledging his protection and his provision for us. So if you're disheartened with all of the things that are going on in Washington, D.C., the increasing centralization of the state, just realize it's just another form of humanism. It's just another day gone. Uh, that can fall down and uh, showcase how impotent anything uh, is when it uh, goes away from God's truth and His, and his uh, will. And as that happens, what, what I would encourage you to be praying that would happen is that Christ will use the very humanism of statism to cause Christians to realize we've been trusting an idol. We've been trusting Washington, D.C. and state government and city government to solve all of our problems. Uh, we are part of the problem. We repent. We turn away from this idolatry. And uh, for uh, Christians to showcase the spiritual power of the Lord Jesus Christ, the beautiful fruit that flows from submitting to his kingship. And there really has never been a time in the, the past 2,000 years where the church has not been growing. Initially, it started off... Uh, m slowly, but it, it's, it just increased in speed until the last three decades. It's been this upward curve where there has been just unbelievable growth of the church. Marshall Foster recently sent out an encouraging email that said this, 
There is a tidal wave of Christianity spreading in nation after nation as never before in history. Christianity is the fastest growing religion in the world today. True faith is spreading and modern secularism is failing. And we're seeing that all over the place, aren't we? Even economically, we're seeing the, the failure. In Brazil, there were not enough evangelicals to even notice several decades ago. Now there are 50 million new believers. More than 480 million people in South America embrace their true king. In Asia, there are now 313 million voluntary members of Christ's kingdom. An estimated 100 million Christians in China worship in underground churches. In Africa, there were only 10 million Christians in 1900. Now, there are 360 million. He is a victorious king, and this invincible spread of his kingdom starts one person at a time. It says, one person after another bows down to the ground and yields themselves to Christ and say, Lord, I yield myself in unconditional surrender to you. And week by week, they come to the table and they say, Lord, I pledge my loyalty to you. That's how his kingdom is advancing, advancing, advancing. Even internally, it is advancing. So as you come to the table uh, this morning, I would encourage you to invite Jesus to subdue your sins under his feet. Welcome his kingship. Commit yourself to war against everything that Jesus wars against and have a faith that you can be a part of the process of extending his kingdom and bringing all things under the feet of King Jesus. So this is our pledge this morning of allegiance to our reigning king, our warrior king, and our victorious king. Let's pray. Father God, we commit ourselves to you with gratefulness, with thankfulness for Christ's reign, and that it was not an instantly, instantaneously set up kingdom, but that you have allowed us to be a part of the process of bringing in the Great Commission, even as you gave all of Canaan to Joshua, and yet you had a process of them possessing their possessions. May we learn more and more what it means to possess our possessions. But we pray in the meantime that you would possess more of us, that you would shine your spotlight in our lives, opening our hearts to recognize areas that we have been ignorant of where we're still out of accord with your will. Uh, We want everything in our lives to be placed under the feet of King Jesus. And so we pray that you would begin with us as we bow ourselves to the ground, as we say, Lord, you are our suzerain. Uh, We yield unconditional surrender to you. Have your own way, Lord. Have your way. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done in our lives as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come more and more in our lives individually, in our families, uh, in our church, and in our society. Father, we do see Uh, The Dagons of this world sometimes can be very fearful, just as the Philistines were fearful to Israel. And yet, uh, they are no match for you when we will walk by faith. Help your church to walk by faith and not by sight, to see with spiritual eyes, to have a more and more consistently uh, biblical worldview. And Father, as we stand in your strength, not in our own strength, may we see victory after victory being accomplished. And as uh, the ruins of humanism begins to crumble all around us, may there be an emerging city set on a hill, 
a civilization built out of the ashes of humanism that uh, sings forth your praises that is founded upon your law. Father, we want Jesus to be Lord of this nation, to be Lord of our lives in every dimension. And so we submit ourselves to your suzerain kingship as we partake of this, your meal. Set aside these common elements to a holy use, and may you be glorified as we partake of them. Strengthen this, your people, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.